from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, welcome to Celebrating Powerhouse Women. Celebrating Powerhouse Women is proudly presented by CAB Incorporated and Capital City Home Loans. And hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Celebrating Powerhouse Women. I am your host, Amanda Pierch, and this is a series that salutes and recognizes women leaders making an impact in our community. Today, it is my distinct pleasure to welcome my guest to the show, Danielle Chung. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning, Amanda. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here with you today. Thank you and Happy New Year, because the last time I saw you was for a holiday event. Yes, Happy New Year. Can't believe it's 2022 already. That and went we're, fast. We're mid-January too. It seems like it's just gone so quickly. I know. Boom. Boom. I apologize. I, I dove right in with excitement. Um, Danielle, <laughs> Danielle is the Senior Vice President and Market Executive for Bank of America. And I'll let her tell a little bit um, more about what she does for the organization briefly before we dive in. Awesome. Thanks, Amanda. So yes, yeah, so I run our business banking team uh, for Bank of America, and we focus on uh, companies with in the lower middle market space with revenue of five to 50 million. So think of us as um, we're commercial banking. So think of us as, you know, if you have your personal banking and you need somebody to help you provide tools for what you need to do every day, we do the same thing for our corporate clients. So we provide credit and um, treasury management and technology that helps them run their banking. And so we are focused on the greater Atlanta area and we work with many um, companies in um, the counties around Atlanta. It sounds like you wear a lot of hats in your role. Just a few. Just a few. Well, in addition to what she does for Bank of America, um, Danielle is involved in a lot of philanthropy and other facets of community service. And we'll dive into that momentarily. But I'd like to kind of start with uh, where it all began. And for those listening who might not know Danielle, she is a native New Yorker. Is that what you'd say? A New Yorker. <laughs> and let's go back to New York and let's talk a little bit about um, how you got here to Atlanta from there. Sure. So um, born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, in a big, crazy Italian family. So, um, you know, um, when I went to school, I was local, you know, parents didn't believe in going away to college. So went to school in New York City um, and really, you know, decided that um, I was interested in something where I could use my um, voice. You know, I, I started out as an accounting major and I remember my junior year um, thinking like, oh my gosh, when do I actually get to talk to people if I'm an accountant? And so um, decided to switch my major, went into business school and really um, kind of found a love for working in um, and you know working in internships with where, where I could be you know in front of, of clients and so um, eventually found my way into banking and um, have enjoyed it ever since it's been close to 30 years that I've been in commercial banking in some facet or other 30 years is a long time you're committed to your career it's not quite 30 years but okay. it's close Almost. but I am committed I'm I am committed sure <laughs> you serve uh, your partners and your clients with excellence mm -hmm. uh, I'd like to go back and just get a little yeah. bit personal if you don't mind you and Absolutely. I were chatting before the show and I think it's funny um, the story how you met um, Danielle is a mother and also a wife uh, she has three children with her husband Cayman uh, ranging in age from 19 to 13 but beyond that the story of how you met your mate is a cute one and I'd say can we go back to New York can you tell yeah. that story for our listeners absolutely so my um so okay so setting the stage I mean growing up Catholic in New York like everybody went to Catholic school so I was going to the all girls Catholic high school um in our neighborhood and my husband was at the all boys Catholic school in our neighborhood and the other thing that's really you need to know is that 
all Italian girls have gigantic Sweet 16 parties. Okay, so this is the other thing. So when I was 16, I went to one of my best friend's Sweet 16 parties, and my husband was there. And at the time, I you know met him, didn't think anything of it. And then um, a couple years later, I asked his best friend to my senior prom, and um, and then you know started hanging out with the group and then started dating my husband and so um and then that guy who I took to the senior prom he at least got to be in our bridal party so (laughs) that's okay so I'm confused I'm not familiar with like all girls school or all boys school but they still had co-ed functions no well I mean only like dances right Uh so they'd let us meet a couple times a year and have dances but like you know so there were you know that the only way to kind of hang out with people of the opposite sex was to do it after school right Uh because like the schools were completely separated and so um so I met him at a parties and a few dances and really didn't think anything of it until kind of the summer before college we were hanging out because of this you know guy that I went to the prom with and we realized that we were going to the same college and so we went to um, all four years of college together as well and dated all through college and what school was that that was Pace University in New York City okay yeah and you both graduated so you maintained a relationship through school we did that's exciting and also a challenge I'm sure it was, but Dating it was, you know, college, yeah. it was fun. I mean, you know, we, we were in more of a business school. So like I worked full time while I was in college. My husband worked while he was in college. So, you know, it was really like um, the only thing we had time for was school and and work. And then we just hang out on the weekend. Yeah. So but it was fun. And so we've been together for a very long time, obviously. And then it bloomed into uh, what eventually became a marriage. That's right. We mm-hmm. got married um, in 1999 after we had been dating for nine years years wow nine Mm -hmm. that's nine a long time yeah but were you engaged in those nine years yes we got engaged um about two and a half years before we got married Mm -hmm. so um but yeah so it was great and um we decided to make the move to atlanta together so been here for seven years and totally loving it almost seven years and you got married in New York, that you well, said, Yes, right? we totally, mm-hmm. yeah. We got married in New York. We lived, um, we moved out of Brooklyn. We moved to Westchester where, um, you know, after our three kids were born, we lived there, which is kind of like Westchester's like a suburb of uh, Manhattan, kind of like, um, so, you know, some of the suburbs here. And um, we lived there for, um, I think it was like about eight years before we moved here. So it was great. I mean, we love New York. Um, it's where we had our kids. It's where our family still is. Mm-hmm. Um, but we love Atlanta too. Yeah, I'm sure it's a different pace of life. Uh, the city, I mean, Atlanta versus New York. I mean, it's just such a more populated and condensed city. But I'm sure you're still able to find some of the things that you enjoyed here in the Metro Atlanta area. Oh, for sure. I mean, we, um, you know, New York is kind of like a treadmill, right? Like you're on it all the time, and you're keeping going. And you know, I worked in Manhattan, and I commuted to the city, and you know, I worked and on the train and back and forth every day. And you know, it's busy, and even the kids are are busy. And so, you know, when we moved here, we almost didn't know what to expect. And um, you know, I think it's kind of like the best of both worlds. So we got to slow down a little bit, um, just in terms of you know how much time you're you know focused on work and commuting and all those things Um, but then it also really does have all the things of a big city so Mm -hmm. we love it and um, you know New York will always be our home we'll visit there but um, this is really our new home Mm -hmm. and you're a transplant and you made it here to Atlanta Mm -hmm. I remember when you and I were chatting at the chairman's club event the Gwinnett Chamber Chairman's Club Mm -hmm. uh, you were telling me something briefly about your dad yeah. Um, can we rewind even further and talk a little bit about growing up and uh, what that was like for you and the impact that your parents had on you to make you who you are today? 
Yeah. So, you know, I grew up the daughter, uh, one of two daughters of um, parents who were in kind of a really challenging relationship. Um, my parents probably should have never gotten married, but, you know, that often happens. But, um, you know, growing up, I mean, we had, um, my dad started out as a banker. So when I was a baby, he was a banker as well. And, um, but then when, when I was about five or six, um, things kind of got a little challenging. My sister had just been born and my dad actually went to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he got arrested for white collar crime and um, went, uh, well, I mean, he didn't stay in prison very long because he, we were fortunate he had some family members that kind of helped him out. But, you know, that was really kind of a pivotal point in my parents' relationship, obviously, and then um, in growing up. And so my dad, obviously, he had to lead banking forever. He was, um, you know, now a felon and um, couldn't do that any longer. And so that really was kind of a turning point. Uh, my parents really never recovered from that, even though they stayed married for probably another, you know, 15 years after that. I think they just couldn't afford to get divorced. Um, and so, you know, I, I really didn't know it at the time, but, you know, because I, I had a lot of, I mean, they both were great. They loved us. They, you know, we had a lot of extended family that took care of us, but we lost our home. We became homeless. Um, we wound up um, moving in with some family members. We lived with my grandparents in a three-room apartment for like two years. Um, and, you know, my dad was always then in kind of blue-collar work and, um, you know, did the best that he could. And my mom had to go back to work, and she was working in kind of all sorts of jobs and sales and things like that. But I think what, you know, we struggled from then on with money when I was growing up. So I started working when I was 14. Mm-hmm. Um, my first job was as a file clerk in an insurance agency. Um, nobody is a file clerk anymore. So for all the youngins who are listening, those are people who literally file paper. Yes, right? with literal uh, manila folders. Exactly, yeah. papers in folders. And so, um, and then I did an assortment of, I was actually, um, I worked in a um, eyeglass store selling eyeglasses and fitting contact lenses. I worked in a real estate agency cold calling people to try to get their apartment listings. I mean, did all kinds of kind of jobs all through high school and college because I really had to kind of, you know, create my own money. And also, I mean, it was pretty evident that as I grew up, I realized that I was sort of the adult in the house. And so really had to take care of my sister, keep, you know, have her under my wing and also just kind of mediate my parents. So um, I think they did the best they could um, given the situation, but it definitely made me one focused on work and my own um, making my own money at a very um, early at a very early age and then also just not wanting to be in their situation and you know the one thing I have to say is my mother as um, challenging as it was for her during her life um, the one thing that she was very focused on was that I had to go to school I had to go to college she did not have the opportunity to go to college because she had me Um, She graduated high school at 18, and then my parents had me when they were 19 and 20. So my mom never got the opportunity to go to college. And and so, you know, I remember when I was a kid, she was like, you know, I would go in the kitchen and be like, what are you cooking? What are you baking? What are you making? And she would be like, go to your homework. You don't need to be in the kitchen. Um, So the good thing is that she really fostered that whole go to school, do well. the bad thing is she's made me a domestic idiot. So um, your husband does the cooking. No, my my father in law is a chef and he lives with us. So nice. um, that's the only reason we function. Gourmet. So uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. But um, 
but yeah, so it really did kind of develop, you know, develop me into who I am. Mm-hmm. Would you say, and this is just out of curiosity, but first mm-hmm. I'd like to um, tip my hat to you because you were talking about education and Danielle holds her bachelor's of business administration in management science and mathematics shoo, and a master in business administration and finance again from pace university all those things just are, are foreign to me math was never my uh, strong suit do you think because of what you saw growing up well i think a it's ironic that your dad was in baking mm-hmm. so that was like you know futuristic right. but do you think because of what you saw I don't know if strife is the right word, but the challenges mm-hmm. uh, and, and kind of being forced to jump into the workforce and, and earn your own money. Do you think that that's kind of why you leaned in the direction that you did career wise so you could help people, you know, um, with financial solutions and you're so meticulous with money per se? Mm-hmm. Do you think that that was a foundation? So I'd love to say that I was very thoughtful about it. But, you know, one of the things my mom used to say when I was a kid, and I never kind of understood it was, she said, you know, you really lead a charmed life. And I used to think, like, are you kidding me? Like, we have no money. Like, you know, we're living with grandparents. Like, you know, like, really, I have this charmed life. But um, my mother was right to the extent that I think I've made some decisions that I was really, I don't want to say naive, but I just didn't know, right? I didn't have access to maybe the... um, parents who could talk me through some decisions about career and where I should work and what I should be doing and what what kind of salaries I should be striving for. But I did make a number of really smart decisions that I think were somewhat, you know, my own um, ability to make those decisions. But I think part were luck. And I do feel like I have had some good fortune in my life and some people that have really guided me. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that um, I used to I used to be a really chatty kid growing up, and so um, being in a, a a job where I can spend my time talking to people has really been what has been I think has led me kind of to where I am. I mean, yes, I think that um, you know seeing what my parents went through and financial, and I've always. Um, been impressed with entrepreneurs because I, I never felt like that was something that would, could even be possible given the way we grew up. And so I think for me, it's I love hearing the stories of businesses and their owners and how they came to be. And some of them, it was very deliberate and some of them, it was very fortuitous as well, right? People who just, you know, took their hand and said, you can do this. And so I think for me, it's having the ability to understand where people are coming from, hear their story, and then buy into that story and then help them get to the next place, right? You know, and we talk to business owners all the time and it's like, well, you know, I really want to expand or I want to buy another business or I want to buy a warehouse. And I love helping them figure out how to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I think it is part of my background and how I grew up and just, you know, my intellectual curiosity about other people and their stories mm-hmm. as well. I'd say that it definitely sets you up. You're a tenacious person and obviously uh, a people person as Mm -hmm. well, extroverted. So I think that you did find your vein and you are you are almost 30 years successful in the industry Mm -hmm. because of that foundation. Um, Congratulations to you and your success. Thank you. I wanted to ask you not only about leading a team for Bank of America, but also because you're heavily involved with many organizations. Mm -hmm. And I'll note here just a few. Lead for Women, and you can expand on that because I'm very curious. Uh, I know that you're on the board for Habitat for Humanity and also the incoming elect chair for 2023 of the Fulton Chamber of Commerce. So in navigating through all of that responsibility, 
and leading multiple teams of all varieties. What would you say is most important in delivering something effectively to any one of those teams? Yeah, so, you know, I would say a couple things, right? So the first is the culture um, of the team, right? And it is up to the leader to really set the culture of the team. And so, so for example, with my current team at work, at my banking team, like, you know, bankers are, they're hunters, right? They go out, they bring in business, they business develop. Um, it's very often that you'll see people in those roles who um, play on their own and really don't collaborate. So when I hire folks on my team, I'm like, this is a very collaborative culture. And that's something sometimes that's farm because they don't necessarily get that in other banks or, you know, with other uh, roles that they've been in. So, you know, I think it's really important to talk about your culture. So what are the things about it? You know, is it collaborative? Is it, you know, really self, you know, are people really have to be self-disciplined and pretty much into, you know, be lone wolves in their role, right? And every um, culture is different. So that's, I think, first and foremost. But then also I believe in like ultimate transparency. And so, you know, one of the things that I will talk to the team about is what's going on? Why am I thinking about things a certain way? Because I want their input. I want them to understand what the challenges are ahead of us, what are the goals we need to accomplish. And I also feel like as a leader, it's not up to me to just make all the decisions. Um, For a really strong team to be effective, we need to really have folks that kind of all give their input. Um, everybody wants to feel like they have a voice heard. Now, that doesn't mean that you can satisfy everybody all the time because I'm also a person who's very much of, um, you have to make a decision, right? So I think we take the time, we give the input, and then we make a decision. And so, um, you know, so those are some of the things that I think are important. So going back to, um, you know, uh, the boards that I sit on. So, you know, Atlanta Habitat, board chair, keeps me really busy. We actually just um, announced that our CEO is going to be working as the chief operating officer for the city of Atlanta. Ooh. So we're going to be doing a board search there. So that's super fun. Um, I am the chair elect for the North Fulton Chamber f- uh, for 2023. And also I've been um, on the Gwinnett Chamber board for the last number of years mm-hmm. and recently just um, kind of handed my post over on that. Um, but you mentioned lead for women. So I do want to talk about that. And so that is something that is within Bank of America. And Lead for Women is all about how do we empower women within the bank to, um, you know, to kind of find their career path, um, to really learn how to um, speak out and be successful. And so this is something that's a passion of mine just in general. You know, when I was growing up, um, as I mentioned, you know, this whole charmed life concept, um, I was very fortunate to have some amazing men and women um, throughout my career who really saw that I had potential, but maybe not necessarily all the tools and guidance that I needed to be successful. And so those people were very important in my life. They contributed to who I am. And so this is really important to me as I give back now um, in the community and, and within the bank. And, you know, so for example, for Lead for Women, I'm the, the um, we call them like executive sponsors. And what my job is to do is we have a a fantastic group of about um, 15 women who kind of run this organization. And um, what my role is to really just give them guidance, but we've really focused the last four or five years that I've been in this role on creating opportunities within Bank of America for these women to shine. And so we do professional development, we do um, volunteerism, we connect women to mentors, 
and people who can provide guidance. And then by working directly with the individuals that chair um, Lead for Women, we're creating our next generation of leaders because if they may not be in a leadership role or in a management role in the bank, but this does give them the opportunity to flex those skills. So when those jobs come up, they have the opportunity. So um, I've also kind of run some kind of power of 10 circles within the bank, which is really um, a group of women who get together to talk about things that are not necessarily easy to talk about. Mm-hmm. So we talk about things like pay equity, um, how to be more um, in charge of your career, um, work-life balance. Mm-hmm. And so just really impassionate about how do we bring more women forward, you know, kind of that, um, that pull reach and back. push, yeah. reach back, mm-hmm. reach forward, exactly. I'm curious because these are all, all the points that you mentioned about the program are very attractive to someone like myself. Mm-hmm. Is this um, only for your banking team or is this something that others can participate in? Because yeah. you mentioned it was within your bank. Yeah. So unfortunately, this is um, something that is it's, it's, it's a network group for women within the bank. Um, but, you know, there are um, lots of opportunities that we are trying to, you know, obviously COVID put a wrench in a few yeah. things but we have been trying to figure out how do we reach more women from outside the bank mm-hmm. so stay tuned the values, on that the core values like you mentioned it sounds like you're kind of preparing them with a toolkit almost resources to kind of um, be able to fall back or, or you know utilize when they're put in those position positions for advancement or mm-hmm. or put in a scenario that they might be unfamiliar with that's right the power of 10 also sounded attractive to me and is that also mm-hmm. to the banking ladies only or is that I mean that's something we've done within the bank but it's also something that can be done anywhere Anywhere, right I mean I've always um, thought it would be really cool to get a group of powerful women together and one of the organizations that I'm working with externally is trying to do something like that so I think that there's opportunity to bring that um, outside the bank Mm -hmm. because I mean you know listen it's so important right we need to really and not just for women right I think we need to to mold the next generation of leaders I think what's interesting in for women is there are some unique challenges they face that um that men don't and so having that opportunity to really find other people that are in the same situation um, and learn from each other I think is really important and you mentioned taking tackling some uncomfortable topics Mm -hmm. and those are truly the things that we kind of need to peel back the layers um many ladies who have sat in the seat before you talk about the um strife that women Mm -hmm. you know kind of encounter in the the workplace in the marketplace and it's just a shame that we should all be uplifting each other and that puts a group a an intimate group of women together that can form not only a personal but a professional relationship Mm -hmm. and kind of have a council exactly that's what it sounds like and that's kind of what it is it really is like a council and you know an opportunity for just you know some folks to get together and just talk through what's going on um we've tackled topics like self-care you know very often women especially women who are um, who have kids a lot of times put themselves last and that's not always the best thing right because you can't take care of others if you yourself are not in a position of you know comfort and feel like you're well taken care of so i think it's a matter of um just finding a forum where women can really talk about these issues. And I mean, listen, I grew up in banking in the nineties, man, girl, talk about strife. Um, you know, it was, it was like, again, you know, I went into it thinking, Oh, this is going to be so fun. And like, didn't realize, like, I remember going on my first client meeting and the client looked at me and he eventually became one of my favorite clients and we had a great relationship, but he looked at me and he's like, you're younger than my daughter. Like, what are you doing here? 
and I want your money. Right. And I <laughs> said, you're going to trust me with your money? Right. Exactly. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, and at the time it was a, a very large hospital. I started as a healthcare banker. So I worked with mostly like really large hospitals. And wow. he's like, you're going to tell me what to do. And I said, no, I'm not here to tell you what you do. I'm here to be your partner. And again, he became one of my favorite clients and I banked him for many years. But, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there was a lot of that growing up and especially in the healthcare um, sector. sector in New York City wow. in the 90s. I mean, it was like all the CFOs that I interacted with were men. Um, there was like one woman and, you know, and so um, and it was fine. Right. I mean, it, it kind of built built moxie, it built my kind of grit. Um, but it was fun. And, you know, eventually I just you know, you have to be tough, right? Um, and so I did, and I developed a niche in that industry, and then everybody wanted to work with me, which is great, yeah. but it didn't start that way. Right. So, you know, it was it was interesting. Did you wear crunchy shoulder pad, bla blazers with shoulder pads? I did. In the banks in the 90s? I yeah. did. I mean, I did that, like, in the 2000s, but I know that's when they were rocking, rocking the blazers. Oh, yeah. I definitely had shoulder pad blazers. I hate to say it. <laughs> does LEAD, is that an acronym, or does it literally just mean LEAD? Is, does L-E-A-D stand for something? Yeah, it does and I forgot to write it down but no it's like empowerment development leadership, yeah empowerment. leadership it's got all kinds of great words in it development I'll get back to you on we'll that. that yeah yeah um, my guest today is Danielle Chung and I'm having so much fun chatting mm -hmm. with her the time is just ticking by so quickly um, we're gonna take a quick break Danielle and when we come back we're gonna dive into something totally different you got it girl okay since 1982, CAB Incorporated has been a distinguished leader in manufacturing and global sourcing, serving a variety of industries, including infrastructure, hydraulics, automotive, and rail with their precision machined iron and steel products. As a woman-owned company, CAB Incorporated is proud to be a returning partner of the Celebrating Powerhouse Women Series. With strong roots in the past and firm footing in the future, Capital City Home Loans combines an old-fashioned sense of community with a progressive attitude. They are a trusted full-service lender, offering mortgage finance products and empowering their associates to help clients choose the best options. They are focused on being the best and strongest lender in the Southeast. Visit cchl.com locations to see all of their offices, including Gwinnett. All right, welcome back and Happy New Year. Again, I am speaking with Danielle Chung and we are on Celebrating Powerhouse Women here on Business Radio X. And during the break, we had an opportunity to talk about our fur babies. And I wanted um, Danielle to share with everybody the story of her little pixie. She's a dog mom too, in addition to human children. She has three human children and one fur baby. Tell our listeners a little about your little pixie. Little well, pixie. Well, so pixie <laughs> is not quite that little. She's like 70 pounds. But they promised us when we got her at the shelter that she was going to be little. So we named her pixie. Um, and she is a total pip. We love her. Um, and... Uh, you know, she's seven now. And, um, you know, when we first moved here from New York, you know, our kids had a little bit of a transition and Pixie really kind of saved the day and was sort of like everybody's best friend. So we love her. I was going to say, because you said seven and that was the time. But in New York, if you would have had an animal, it probably would have been a lot more difficult. There's not oh. much green space. Oh. I don't know where you lived, but right. I mean, just 
by and large, there's not many parks or right. or yards. And I'm sure you live in a home now where mm-hmm. you have a yard. Yeah. So. yeah. And we lived in a home and we had some green space in New York, but we totally weren't ready for a dog. I mean, we proved it by having one goldfish that we won at like a fair by throwing, you know, you throw the tennis balls, yeah. like the little ping pong balls in the bowls. We won a goldfish and like nobody ever changed the water and the darn oh, no. thing lived in like for like six years and like, like an inch water. of water and murky water. So we knew we weren't ready for a dog back then. We're doing a little better with Pixie now. So and with children, <laughs> and with as children. Well, they've all survived. They've all survived. Yes. <laughs> well, I like to segue into, and I'll I'll, I'll share a personal note. Yes. I had um, a wonderful doggie. Her name was Reagan, and she just recently passed. But oh. she was with me for sixteen years, and she oh my was my gosh. best friend. Yeah. So she had the best life ever. She actually has made some appearances here in studio. So maybe I can round up some pictures. Well, I'm sorry about I'll, that. I'll, thank you. It is really like they're a part of your your human family. Um, kind of going back to before we took a break, we were talking about work-life balance and um, talking about personal care. I myself enjoy Orange Theory Fitness. It's one of my like outlets to go hoop and holler and just let it all out. What is something that you like to do to maintain uh, mental and physical um, sharpness? Yeah, so I will say that I am the biggest advocate of self-care and the worst at it, right? And that always seems to happen. But I have um, done a few things that just kind of little tweaks to what I do to give me some um, time. So one of the things that I'm really excited about is I found audiobooks when I was in my car. And so, because you know, the Atlanta commute at times can be brutal. Mm -hmm. And I was doing the radio and I was catching up on work phone calls and I realized that that wasn't really letting me kind of wind down. And so now I just do audiobooks. Um, Nothing heavy in the car, always kind of light, fun, fiction. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of one of my my self-care things. Um, I, now in the morning when I get up, I don't get up and get ready for work. I give myself 20 to 30 minutes to just lay in bed, catch up on you know a book or my ipad or mm-hmm. just kind of chill, relax yeah play words with friends nice. right um so um and then i really do try to so both of my boys are really into sports so my older son plays lacrosse and my younger son plays baseball and i love going to watch them play sports so like during sports season i clear my work calendar if there's games i'm there right Mm -hmm. if i have to i'll leave the office early to avoid traffic so i can make sure i get to the games and so um you know my older son travels um sometimes pretty far for lacrosse and i make sure that i can take off from work to do those trips so for me you know it's um i'm still not great at caring for me Mm -hmm. but i do um I have tried to have more work-life balance so that I can spend more time with the family. Well, it sounds like you find uh, relax and enjoyment in that too. I know travel ball, or excuse me, uh, lacrosse can be stressful as well, but sitting there watching Mm -hmm. them play and being outside and, you know, just uh, enjoying that family Mm -hmm. time can be relaxing as well. Um, Talking about audiobooks, that's kind of how I I turned to podcasting outside of doing Mm -hmm. this now for a living. Um, I was seeking to continue education or I craved knowledge. And I had dead time in the car, getting ready for work. So that's when I really kind of dive into podcasts. And there are so many available that you Mm -hmm. can just learn about personal development, professional. There's ones for CEOs, CMOs, etc. What audiobook have you most recently completed? Um. So or the, that you're listening to now. So the, the one that I just finished is called The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. And it's not a ta- it's not a book that I normally would have ever chosen because I tend to do more like cop books and lawyer books and thrillers and things like that. And somebody recommended this and I was like, well, let me read it or listen to it. Listen. And it's basically about a woman who makes a deal with the devil in France in like the 
think it was like the 1600s, 1700s. And um, part of her deal is now she's going to live forever, but she is invisible. Oh, wow. And like, so let's say that you meet her, Mm -hmm. you'll see her, you'll have a conversation with her, but then as soon as you take your eyes off her and go back, you'll forget that she had even existed and it's like starting all over again. And it's about her 300 plus years of, you know, Groundhog moving day, through much. the world yeah. yeah so i very much recommend it it was totally not my normal type of book but it was awesome oh that sounds exciting uh, i said it I, it sounded kind of like groundhog day you know the repeating exactly like waking yes. up the same thing over and very over again much. i'll have to check that out i haven't really gotten into audiobooks but i know that they're very popular going back to service and um leading teams i'd just like to give a quick shout out to uh, two members of your team claire whom i serve on the board of the gwinnett young professionals with and adam who is near and dear to both of our hearts and he also loves you very much i told him i'd say that on here <laughs> love you claire and adam love you, claire and adam. um when you are kind of recruiting top tier talent yes. you said that it's a it's a competitive world and everybody out there i think you use the word is hunters. Mm-hmm. So in hunting for team members, yeah. what do you look for as far as a qualified professional, obviously success within the industry, mm-hmm. but more on uh, an entry, you know, point, like a younger person kind of entering, what do you look for as sure. far as a dynamite team member? Yeah. So I have to say that recruiting is like one of my most favorite things to do. And I actually spent um, three years as part of my career history running recruiting for a bank. So I love recruiting. And so, you know, for me, when I am looking for people of my team, so, you know, just the basic skill set is just the table stakes, right? It's what gets their resume in front of me. So, you know, I'm going to assume that when I am interviewing them, that they've got at least some level of competency, right? So I'll certainly search for that, but that's not the most important part. The most important part is, are they going to fit in our team culture? You know, I mentioned how important culture is to me. So I find, are you a fit for the culture? Do you understand what we're trying to achieve? Do you see the Bank of America values? Do you find the way that we're going to run our team something that is appealing to you so that culture is first and foremost and then I look for things like are you open to learning Um, are you willing to be collaborative are you interested in trying new things right and so you know I've met some really great you know professionals along the way and you know, I might hire them into one role, but not another, because I feel like they've got the skill set or the, the, you know, they'll, they'll match the culture of one team, but not the other. And so for me, I think that that's really important. And, you know, what I think I have done successfully is I don't really go out and like, you know, try to find people. I look for people that already are close to us that understand what we do to bring other talent that they think will be a fit and then also I'm really active in the community and so you know you mentioned Adam and Claire I mean I met them through completely other things and I was like oh my gosh I gotta hire them both right they're awesome so I think it's a combination of knowing what you're looking for but also being able to tell the story so that people who are going to be working with you buy into what they're buying into right I mean you know they like what your firm has to offer and so um, and I think it's very similar to sales right I mean when I'm recruiting I consider I'm selling the team I'm selling myself I'm selling the bank Mm -hmm. I know and this is just out of pure curiosity uh, dealing with the market that you do five Mm -hmm. to fifty million obviously in a world of a CPA they would call it their book Yep. You know, and like if you leave um, J.P. Morgan, I don't know, you can't take your book. Right. Um, so in commercial banking, obviously, in the recruitment aspect, do you seek people that have 
high value existing clients that you can essentially try to convert? Yeah, so that's a great question. And I think a lot of bankers in my seat would answer yes, right? I mean, the, the goal it would be to go out, find a banker who's got a book, and then try to have them bring their book over. Um, you know, it's really hard to move a book. And I don't hire a banker thinking that they're going to come over and bring all their clients. To me, if that happens, it's a bonus. Um, because it's really hard you know, commercial banking is a relationship business, right? And so a lot of times clients want to bank with who they feel comfortable with. So sometimes they will follow their banker. Um, and I know that we've definitely seen with some of our newer hires that their clients absolutely love them and are wanting to follow them. But for me, um, I just want someone who's going to come over to our team and do a great job and help us keep our clients happy and bring in new clients. If some of those happen to be their old clients, great. Um, but, you know, I think anybody who goes out there just to bring, get, the dollars bring over, in the yeah. dollars over is missing the boat on right. recruiting. And the, the relationship is going to suffer. Exactly. Because there's only so many times that you could, let's say I had $30 million with you and then you moved and I moved with you and then two years later you moved again. That's right. I mean, after a few, I'm going to be like, oh, come on, Danielle, right. like pick a seat. Right. And I think you also have to buy into the firm that you're banking with, you know, because we we tell our clients like, I know that you love this banker, but you need to come here because you see the value like you you find the values that Bank of America has appealing. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, Bank of America is really focused on diversity, equity and inclusion. We hope that speaks to you. Right. We're really excited about our technology and how it helps businesses streamline. If that doesn't excite you, maybe we're not the right bank for you. So those are the kinds of conversations we're having because, yes, the relationship is critically important. Um, but we want you to feel comfortable that no matter who we put in front of you from a relationship perspective, you also see the value of what the firm brings. I like that you're referring to it as a firm um, rather than the bank or the uh, organization. Um, I'm sure with all of your community efforts that your teams are involved in things as well. Mm -hmm. What are some things that you guys do as a whole uh, with your Bank of America team to give back to the community? Yes. So, you know, Bank of America is very focused on um, volunteerism. And actually, every employee gets paid hours every month to volunteer during the work, at work nice. week, which is kind of cool. And so... Um, so we have, um, so we, we count volunteerism at Bank of America two ways, right? We count it as all the things that any employee does individually, right? You volunteer at your kid's school, you are, you know, treasurer of your kid's lacrosse team, plug, plug, I do that uh -huh. too. <laughs> uh, um, but, you know, so all of that counts, you're involved with your church or whatever. Um, but then Bank of America actually tries to tie together um, so for example, like some of the organizations that we may provide grants to in the community, can we connect volunteerism um, to that? And we provide mm -hmm. volunteer opportunities for our employees to go out together and volunteer as a group. Nice. Um, and so we do a lot of that work together. And then also, I really feel like it's important for teams to spend time together just having fun. Yes. Um, and not that those volunteer opportunities aren't fun. They can tend to be a lot of fun. Like we've done, as I mentioned, I'm with Habitat for Humanity. We've done a number of house builds together, which is really cool. Oh, yeah. Um, especially when you're like kind of slogging paint together. It's a They're whole new buying experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also like we'll try to do things as a team where we'll maybe go out to lunch together or we're actually in March going to be doing a team scavenger hunt Ooh. for team building. So, you know, we try to do both of those things. So we try to do fun things together to give back to the community and then also things that just team build for right. our team. And strengthen your bond. And I think that's, that, right. that's a testament to the culture that you've built. Um, those activities is very important. You mentioned earlier a, a collaborative culture is what you call 
called it. And I thrive in that world as well. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard being a lone ranger or wolf, um, just trying to find resources and people to talk with right. about things that are relevant. So that culture that you've created is, it sounds like a, a thriving environment. Going back to mentorship, obviously, yes. or it sounds like, and even through LEAD, you provide mentorship in a variety of ways throughout your career or maybe schooling or life. Who has been a mentor to you? Yeah. Oh, my God. There's just been so many. Um, I will try to think about one that, um, so this is a former manager of mine, and um, this person really um, took an interest in me personally in a way that maybe not other managers have and I'm and you know I've had all great managers through my career my current manager is awesome all my prior managers but this one really dug in and said you know what does Danielle want to do with her career what does she want to be what are the personal factors that make you who you are and really helped me try to put it all together um you know really focused on how I could use my strengths my personal strengths to be successful but also how I could use my opportunities to my advantage and so and I think that's something that not all mentors really think about like they usually think about well how can we kind of work on our opportunities and we should all work on our opportunities um, but you know they really focused on well are your opportunities really a disadvantage and how can you use them? So I think that was amazing and, and you know, one of the first people that ever really had that viewpoint. So, um, and, and really also one of the things, you know, I'm very, I love to work. I've been working since I'm like 14, um, taught me to take a break that I don't always have to run at 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And that was really important to hear mm-hmm. because I think for me, I don't know. I don't know as a woman. I just always feel like I'm proving myself. Maybe that's just me. But, um, you know, said you don't always have to prove yourself. You have proven yourself. You're good at what you do. Mm-hmm. So bask in it every once in a while. Good for you. That's so important to take a little bit of time, like you said, to take the foot off the gas. I, too, am guilty at operating at an accelerated pace all the time, full throttle. And you can kind of um, find out things about yourself when you sit in quiet and you take those breaths and allow a little bit of silence to um, enter into your world. Mm-hmm. Silence doesn't sound like something that you you have with three children in your household mm-hmm. um, as a new parent. There um, is no silence. <laughs> just going back to your children, you have a 19-year-old. What is she doing? Obviously graduated from high school. Yep. So is she in school? Is yeah. She in so she is a uh, finishing her sophomore year at Kennesaw State University. KSU. Yep. KSU. Who do you? So she is actually studying to be a teacher. Um, and we need, we need good teachers these days. So she is doing her um, undergrad degree in elementary education and plans to go straight through to get her master's in special ed because she wants to be a special ed high school teacher. Um, so she is an amazing girl. She's got um, a heart of gold and she's going to be phenomenal at what she does. Um, so we are really proud of her. Well, obviously she will be because she is your daughter and you're well, a powerhouse you. woman. I can imagine that she holds a certain amount of strength growing up with uh, being the oldest and two, two brothers, you know, normally the pecking order, of the older brother, the younger sister, but mm-hmm. she's the one leading the charge in the mm-hmm. household. Um, do your younger boys get along at age 13 and 15 or do they bicker like crazy? Um, a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I mean, they mostly get along. Um, it's funny because my boys could not be more polar opposites. So my older son is like my mini me. He's very outgoing. He's got tons of friends. He's a yapper. He's just, you know, 
out there. My younger son is super quiet. Um, he's more of a gamer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, they are, um, you know, they're friends. They hang out a lot. It's funny because during the pandemic, like they didn't hang out before. And then like everything shut down and they're like, okay, I'm left with him. I guess I'll right. hang out with him. Right. Be my so, friend. <laughs> so I think they got a new appreciation for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they're um, very proud of both of them um, doing well in school. Um, my, as I mentioned, my older son plays lacrosse. He's thinking about maybe if he wants to play in college. So we're, we're about to start, you know, that process to decide if it's something he really wants to do. And then my younger son plays travel baseball. Um, and he is, um, an exceptional student and, um, you know, really just, um, love them all. Um, do they enjoy going to the, is it swarm up here? lacrosse is big yeah so I'm sure you guys go to swarm games yeah so I haven't been to a swarm game but my kids have been to swarm game my husband has taken them I have not been able to make it yet but yes go swarm um we have definitely watched the swarm very cool Danielle I have enjoyed speaking with you so much and we've chatted about such a wide range of things but um because I keep being a scatterbrain with our topics I'd like to ask is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners or leave them with a little tidbit of knowledge before we say adios yeah. So first, I want to say thank you for inviting me today. Of Super excited to be here with you. Um, from the first time I met you, I thought you had an infectious personality. Thank so you. so glad to um, that you've asked me. But also, you know, I want um, what I hope that the people listening take away from this is that, you know, when I was young, I used to think that, you know, successful people had a great foundation, right? That their parents had the oppor- they had opportunities from their parents, and they all went to the best schools and. And then I realized that success is not about where you come from or what you had handed to you. It's really about what you make of it. And um, I remember at one point my daughter said to me, she's like, wow, given all the challenges you grew up with, like you shouldn't be where you are. And so I just want all the men and women who are out there who are listening to really think about that, that it's less about your circumstance. Um, And I mean, certainly circumstance can be a factor, but a a lot of it is about what you do with what is given to you. So um, I hope that came clear. And um, I'd like to say that I was super intentional about it, but I think I've looked back learning that it really was just, you know, the effort and trying to, you know, get out from under some of the situations that I grew up with. But at the end of the day, it's just really important to um, keep keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're... um you obviously strive for success and excellence and that's evident not only with you as a person and your family but as a team Um, thank you for sharing your experience and your wisdom with our listeners I hope that they've enjoyed getting to know you a little bit Um, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you to give some way for people who might be seeking uh, lending or or your services how they could get in touch with you yeah so um, or someone on your team so two things is that number one we are hiring so if there's anybody who's interested in joining our bank of america family um, please reach out and then secondly um, if there's anybody who is um, in need of services for their business um, they can also reach out to me as well and i can connect them with one of the great relationship managers on our team but the best place to reach me um, is my email address and that is danielle d-a-n-i-e-l-l-e dot chung c-h-e as an edward u as an uncle n-g at b of a dot com so letter b the word o-f and letter a dot com b of a dot com 
Well, again, thank you for joining us. And I do want to remind our listeners that you can listen to this broadcast every Friday live at 1130, or you can listen by visiting businessradio.x.com and selecting the Gwinnett Studio. All of these podcasts are available on any platform that you subscribe to your audio shows on. If you find value in this series, please leave us a five-star uh, rating, and I'd love to hear from you and, and see um, what we've got going on as far as feedback out there. Um, connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook, Amanda Pierch. And until next time, this has been Celebrating Powerhouse Women on Business Radio X.